Hello, Ellie Martin. Hello, Alex Patterson. Welcome to the Patterpod. How are you today? I'm all right today. Yesterday was quite quite a grey day. Today is better. It's very windy and I'm loving it. The, the wind sort of came out of nowhere today. It was a bit of a shock to the system. To my hair, really, is what I'm talking about. Yeah, it was a shock to my flat because I opened all the windows because it was so hot and then it blew everything everywhere and also I lost some things out of the window. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds like it's an emotional topic. So I'll delve deeper. What did you lose? Well, it was weird. I didn't realise until much later that there was a wig downstairs that had gone two floors down into the neighbour's garden, managed to get up some steps and round by the side of the house. <laughs> and it was sort of covered in leaves. <laughs> and I looked closely at it and realised it was my posh spice wig. And then also a bag of gifts that I bought for my friend Paula were somehow inexplicably at the top of the drive. Quite heavy things. So I reckon they maybe blew a bit and then someone moved them. It was very, very odd. But it's... Hang on, the gifts flew out of your window? Yeah, so I've got like a window seat in my bedroom and I opened the oh, window okay. and they just dropped to the garden but somehow made their way up the drive. It's all very strange. Okay, so in case those listening don't know, can you tell us how we know each other? Yes, I can. Well, well I moved... <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. It's good to give people praise because it helps them along. So I moved to Nottingham to do a psychology master's in 2016 and did that. Um, and then my second year of it where I was still submitting work, but I'd like done all the lectures and stuff. I was needing work. <laughs> and my friend Ellie Minnie um, sent me that advert for the youth choir director job at the cathedral and um, didn't really think I uh, would get it. Um, but I went for it and um, that's how we met um, I nearly mm. missed the audition because I'd been doing a gig in London uh, because I was still I was at because I wasn't earning very much I was basically taking every gig I could get my hands on and I was I remember I was driving back from London and um, everything that could have gone wrong on the journey went wrong and you had to like switch all the candidates around to let me still have an audition what i remember about that day you'd sent me a message saying something like when i get there like where do i go and i just sent you a, <laughs> I just sent you a photograph of the blue door of cathedral house <laughs> there probably wasn't even any sort of no, there message wasn't. to go with it just go there here wasn't. it felt like something out of alice in wonderland it was like if you <laughs> find the door and you've passed the first hurdle. I, I think I've probably still got that message somewhere. <laughs> uh, well, you got the job, so... Um, well, was it because of the door? You passed the test. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't really need to see me conduct after that. I just got the door thing. <laughs> so that's how we know each other. Uh, yes, and that was back in 2017. So we've spent quite a lot of time... Uh, together since then <laughs> we have yes quite a good team I think pillars of the cathedral <laughs> as sister Margaret said to me <laughs> as she, as she, she said it to someone else didn't she I can't remember who but she she said it about us Ellie and Alex are the pillars of the cathedral which is hilarious because I'd only been there like a year it's like I'm pretty sure I'm I'm not like in pillar territory yet but um well, last year it did feel like that we did a lot last year didn't we 
Yeah, I um, <laughs> I try not to think about last year, but having Facebook constantly remind me of all the various fundraising events that we um, <laughs> yeah. had to do. I'll never forget the beginning of the Hymnathon concert where we done that done an entire day of back to back singing, and then just before everyone was about to sing, we both <laughs> hid behind a pillar and was like, "Let's never ever do this again." Yeah, it was quite a logistical nightmare. It was, but good fun. It was the end of the afternoon when we were doing quartet masses, which I remember thinking when you suggested it, I don't know if this is going to work. Um, Are you about to say that it was a really good idea that I had? It was a really good idea that you had. Well, I think that's the only time I've said that in recognition of <laughs> all of your ideas that you've had. Well, usually um, you make them your ideas and then and yeah. then they're good ideas that you had. This is why it works, Eddie. It is. <laughs> um, but we did, we finished it with, we finished the afternoon singing Abide With Me in four part harmony. And it was glorious. Yeah, people seemed really moved by it as well. I was moved by it. Yeah, it was, it was such a beautiful moment in the whole thing. And you could sense that everyone who was there, because we had quite a lot of people who were coming from the Mass Choir event arrive early because there was rehearsals straight afterwards yeah. and uh, they were listening for that bit just in the in the nave of the cathedral yeah and you could sense that they were all there with us it did feel very special and um it felt like we were all just working together really well and really listening to each other and breathing together it felt very like i don't know it just really worked i love that hymn so much as well it's like my second favorite hymn of all time second favorite hymn oh i think i know what your favorite hymn is you should do by now i think it's dear lord and father of mankind it is it is phew that's a relief can you tell us a bit about your musical interests what sort of music do you like what do you not like um so i've got extremely varied musical tastes um i guess like a lot of people so yeah, I don't really know where to start. Um, obviously, I listen to a lot of choral music, and I'm a massive fan of Vaughan Williams. Didn't make my seven, but very nearly did. Um, I love to sing Vaughan Williams. Uh, I listen to a lot of orchestral music. I love listening to Mozart. I like a lot of the romantic stuff. I like Rachmaninoff and Prokofiev. I listen to a lot of jazz. Okay. I listen to a lot of pop music. In fact, most of what I listen to is pop, really. Um, I love a bit of 80s pop. I listen to a lot of Elton John, Beach Boys, Fleetwood Mac, The Kinks. I like The Stones, Rolling Stones. Um, I'm aware that those weren't all 80s, by the way, I do. <laughs> um, the Cause, I love The Cause. Oh, classic. Yeah, I quite often stick on The Cause. I quite like a lot of like cheesy nineties pop. Well, that's quite a range. It is, yeah. In terms of what I don't like, I don't really like Wagner. <laughs> Interesting. Sorry okay. uh, to Wagner. There's, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I didn't. I didn't really know any Wagner, and then when Opera North came and did their semi-stage version of The Ring four years ago now in Nottingham, um, I thought I should probably just force myself to go along because this is on my doorstep and it's quite a good opportunity just to experience what a lot of people go crazy for. And I'm really glad that I did. I thought it was, what they did was incredible. Um, 
<laughs> but I remember thinking, actually, there's just a lot of music here, and a lot of the operas recap like the previous opera. <laughs> yeah. And you could probably Wagner, you could probably cut this down. Um, this could be a lot tighter. And then I discovered that there's a there is an album of the music from the ring cycle uh, without any singing and it just like gives you the main thing and it starts from the beginning goes to the end and sort of rolls into like one big track um oh that sounds amazing the highlights highly recommend yeah so sometimes i (laughs) i just stick that on i feel as if i've watched the ring cycle without (laughs) but you haven't holding my bladder (laughs) because the first opera is so long and there's no interval i think i was put off because i stood through one of them um I it was when I was a student in my first year and I got like an amazingly cheap ticket and you know when you're like young and you're like yeah I'm gonna go to the opera and I'm gonna like I'm gonna go see everything and do everything and be really enthusiastic and then I was like I couldn't see anything I was behind a pillar more pillars um for however many hours it was and standing up and I remember like all the way through being like I'm just having a really bad time (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah I'm sure I think if you're like I think things like that and actually like I don't really listen to much opera at all um I like to go to the opera but I I just don't really get that much from listening to opera and I'm the same with organ music I would never listen to organ music but I can be very moved by a lot of it when I'm there I think for Mm. me yeah those two things certainly I, I I feel like I want to go and like experience it and obviously opera you want to be in the drama and you want to see it as well I mean, occasionally there are bits of opera that I'll listen to, but hardly ever, to be honest. Yeah, I think with opera, fundamentally, it's about the theatre and the drama and the story and the plot. And I know a lot of very popular operas have very (laughs) ridiculous plots um, and they all die. But there are some, and I mean, it's no secret that I'm a big Benjamin Britten fan. Are you? um surprise (laughs) (laughs) but i i remember seeing my first the first opera that i saw was poulenc's la voix humaine which is very bad french which is i enjoyed it you're you're french i mean i haven't seen the opera oh oh, really well the (laughs) opera was i think a suicidal woman in france with a phone that kept going off Oh. I think that's what it was about. Anyway, it was really intense. It was quite short. One of the shortest operas out there, I think. And I was like, this is terrible. I'm not enjoying this at all. And then we, the, at university, we went to see The Magic Flute by Mozart. And I was like, this is great. And it was hilarious. The way they did it was really accessible and just had a lot of integrity and made a lot of the music of Mozart, which was great. And didn't yeah. really detract from that at all. Um, I think a lot of people don't like going to see opera, particularly because I think they don't like to go see opera because because some directors try and put like a modern spin on things. And I know someone said to me, oh, I don't like going to see Opera North because everyone's wearing like modern day clothes. <laughs> OK, well. <sighs> I want to be transported back to the olden days. Yeah fine but like that's like listen to the story like there's a reason why directors trying to do that they're trying to like bring you more into the drama I think yeah I guess some people like to like to almost go to sort of a nostalgic place of like a totally different world but I'm with you on that I I, for me it's not really about what they're wearing it's a yeah it's about whether it can draw you in or not and whether that's with old-fashioned clothes or modern day clothes it doesn't really matter it's about yeah whether the, you get the story 
Um, yeah, but I think I lot a lot of the operas, a lot of the popular operas, I don't really like because I'm just a bit like oh, I'm not really interested in that at all. Yeah. And it wasn't until I started hearing some of the Britain operas uh, where I thought actually this is, I think it's dealing with themes that I can relate to, and I think they're just really powerful and the way Britain writes for the orchestra and the voice. He's just got such a dramatic drive, I think, in a lot of his pieces. Um, and something like Peter Grimes is yes. so cleverly you, done. You've told me that I need to see that, and many people have told me. I, it's Yeah, as soon as it, the opportunity comes up to see that, I'll be there. With organ music, I think I agree with you, actually. I think sitting down and listening to some organ music can be quite tiresome sometimes. As much as I hate page turning, uh, <laughs> I think I really enjoy page turning for organists because you get to see up close exactly yeah. what they're doing. Yeah, no, it's and, cool. And like pushing pistons and pulling out stops. I do quite a good <sighs> impression um, of, of an organ player. <laughs> oh, really? Is well, this like a, a silent movie sort of <laughs> Ellie at the organ just... It's just, it's all about like the pulling the, the stops out really, really, really fast, like quite a few of them fast and then like and then putting a chord down and then being quite still you've got to see it at some point okay it doesn't really translate over the patter pod but you just have to trust me on it so i was meant to be doing this podcast each week but it's now been a fortnight because i'm having to repaint my house after some of verity's escapades Anywho, uh, as you may know, in each episode of the podcast, I invite my guests to talk to me about the seven tracks that they like or that mean something to them at this point in time. Alongside each episode, we have the all-important Patterpod playlist on Spotify, where you can listen to all of the tracks selected by my guest. You can find the link to the playlist from my website, alexpatterson.co.uk. Let's take a look at your seven tracks. Tell us about your first track, please, Ellie. My first track is Swonderful by Elephant. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, can you say that again? <laughs> Did you like that? My first track is Swonderful by Ella Fitzgerald. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not actually by Ella Fitzgerald. It's her version that I like. And I, do you know yeah. what? Embarrassingly, I can't remember who the original is by. Uh, it's Gershwin, isn't it? Of course, it's Gershwin. Yeah, it's Gershwin. The reason this is on the list is I had to have some Ella on there. I've been listening to Ella Fitzgerald since I was really young, and um, it's so much of it is nostalgia for me. Um, we used to go on holiday to France. We'd drive to France and it was when my parents were still together. So I was quite young and they had these three Ella Fitzgerald tapes that were called Essential Ella, Incomparable Ella <laughs> and Forever Ella. And I know the tapes so well and like to the point where I, I could still sing you the next track in the right key. I just know them like the back of my hand. Um, you know, like when you're a kid and you, you absorb, you, you just remember in a way that, I don't know I could not listen to it for like 10 years and still know exactly how she sings the songs and how the big band parts go yeah so I knew I had to have some in it and I go through phases with her I won't listen to her for months or years or whatever and then I'll like be really into her again and this isn't actually one of the songs that I was particularly into I've always thought Swonderful was a bit of a boring jazz standard actually but I recently started listening to this track and I I it's really changed my mind on it I just love it and um She's got the most wonderful voice. What she does with her voice is incredible. And it's so, it's like just the right amount of 
like decoration and interesting stuff, but not too much. It's just, it's very simple and very elegant and something so warm about her voice. And then she writes with a lot of these standards, this one included, she writes, she adds her own lyrics as well. And they're often quite funny. And there's a there's a recording of Matt the Knife where she forgot the words and just made them all up on the spot uh, where she was live in Sweden or something or Berlin. And uh, her scat's amazing as well. I'm not particularly into scat. I've done a bit of it in the past and I, I like it when it's really good, but sometimes it isn't. But there's there's a version she's done of Blue Skies where the scat solo goes on and on and it's just absolutely incredible. And it quotes Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue in it as well. I just think she's amazing. Um, and uh, so this track is one I've got into, I guess, in the last couple of months. And it's um, a really good example of like how it builds. The big band is incredibly tight and it builds up in the middle. And there's um, her extra lyrics as well are really quite fun. Because um, obviously with Swonderful, it's got like a, a swerve before every word. And she's managed to get in the word sex by doing sexceptional, which I think is really cool. <laughs> <laughs> Have you sung any of her arrangements? I've sung a lot of the standards that I was very lucky at school to have a, an amazing music department and now head of, um, well, my music teacher, and he went on to be head of music, was the most incredible um, jazz musician. So I was like surrounded by it. And I had some jazz singing lessons and I had the opportunity in the summer jazz concerts to perform a lot of jazz standards and um, done various bits and pieces since. Um, so, yeah, there are, yeah, I know a lot of jazz standards and I'm quite sort of comfortable on gigs, cool. doing them, you know, to duo and trio gigs. I'd love to do some big band stuff. I've never really done that apart from at school. Um, that would be like the dream. My dear, it's about your next track so this is do you love me by the contours <laughs> <laughs> which, is a bit of which a... always reminds me of no i can't remember what it was but it always reminds me of weddings for some reason it always comes on later on or it used to in weddings that i went to growing up it certainly does when i'm there because i always request it oh <laughs> uh, <laughs> um why do you like this song why have you chosen this song it's a little known fact, Alex, that I, I've got some moves. and um, Gosh, good for me. <laughs> You've seen Corona You've seen me on the dance floor. I have also <laughs> been on the dance floor with you. You have. So you know this to be true. So it's relative is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, it just, it makes, the reason I love it, it's very, very simple, but it makes me move. It makes me dance. It really gets me going like no other that's song really on the dance floor it's the one that i will always request at a, at a wedding or whatever um gosh even more than say la vie by bewitch <laughs> just it just tops it it's like very very close <laughs> huge, huge claim there ellie <laughs> yeah say la vie is great uh in fact i did say la vie for my year six leavers 
thing and I had to do hitch kicks and we all dressed up in camouflage was really in like little vest tops and camouflage trousers and but no this is it just makes me so happy when it comes on it's such a feel-good song um and there's a really terrible but amazing fade in it where it fades out to nothing and you think the song is finished and then it kicks back in it's just so great there's nothing that makes me like move like this song um and I have danced to it in my kitchen countless times since lockdown began. Nice. I mean, what strikes me about this song, I've always sort of thought about this, is that it always just feels as if they're just almost reaching the notes. <laughs> I, guess I guess that's fine. I mean, is, is it fine? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. I don't know about that one, though. Do you love me? Yeah, it's because it's got a real pitch bend. They do it in that sort of like... Oh, (laughs) it's a style. Okay, right. (laughs) Yes, Alex, it's a style. You just understand. (laughs) Well, no, I think a lot of it, um, because I remember having a conversation once uh, with someone about, I think it was about Adele, and they were laying into the way that she sings and saying that she's going to have to get loads of work done on her vocal cords and stuff because she's not singing in the right way, and she did have to get some work done. But that's neither here nor there. But there's something about those sort of individual sort of voices and that make it real and sort of gritty and yes there's interest in the voice yeah. whereas hearing someone who's very trained has its place but yeah it, it, i know exactly what you mean and like uh, take someone like so yeah another another band i didn't mention and nearly made it on is coldplay um which i do have to be in quite a specific mood for but um there's a lot of coldplay copies early <laughs> yeah basically depressed um but i like their early stuff much more than their recent stuff but his his voice to me is just so so unique and so lovely to listen to I think you've got some Taylor Swift for us now. I would say this is my guilty pleasure, but I'm not going to say that because I just, I don't really like it. I don't really like that. The idea of feeling guilty about liking something that's like, oh, you shouldn't like this cheesy pop or whatever. Because I just think she's brilliant. And I don't love all of her songs, but there's a lot of them I really like. And I'm too old to have been into her in a big way when like songs like Love Story came out and stuff. Because for me, that was the Spice Girls. Um <laughs> because <laughs> I'm 33 but um her album 1989 was when I took notice of her and that was her first pop album it's when she went from country to pop um there was you know and I was sure there was a lot in between here and there but like that was like okay I'm a pop singer now yeah and it was so great as an album it is so great it's just uh such a great display of how to write pop songs and it's got a bit of everything on there and then I sort of like stopped listening to her for a few years and um Recently, this documentary came out that she did on Netflix called Miss Americana, and it was excellent. Um, it was a lot. It was very candid, and obviously, you know, she's behind the editing. You you know that that that's the case. So she's putting out there what she wants to be put out there, and 
so I'm aware of that, but I, I liked how honest it was. There was a lot in there about mental health and um, she had a real rough time scrutinized by the media in quite a big way. And I know that happens to lots and lots of celebrities, but I really think they went for her. Yeah. And let's face it, they, they go for women more than they do for men, certainly in that realm, you know, pop music. Yeah. It was really interesting to watch it, to sort of hear what she had to say. And it got me listening to her again. And I've been for the last sort of three months or so listening to the, this is Taylor Swift playlist on Spotify. And I've really got into this song, delicate i just think it's so great and there's another one called call it what you want which i really like there are so many but the one that i i keep coming back to is called delicate and people might listen to this and be like why do you like this one like why this taylor swift song or like what's so special about this and i couldn't really tell you which i think is what's lovely actually about people's taste in music is that a lot of the time you can't put your finger on why something really gets you yeah gets you going or moves you and then somebody else can just it can leave them cold and I think that's part of the joy of it already it sounds like a really sort of cheesy thing to say but like I was listening to the previous patterpod with Charles and uh I can relate to a lot of that oh like, you uh you caught that did you uh-huh uh-huh oh, okay, um <laughs> and you know that he was saying about 20 tracks and then moving on and yeah and one of those awful people there's going to be many people who are like rolling their eyes when I say this, but I'm I'm really bad at listening to whole albums and I'm really bad at listening to whole concertos or symphonies. I tend to just, it's not always true. Like, so if, if I listen to the Mozart clarinet concerto, I'll listen to the whole thing or whatever, but I'll quite often just like put a movement on I like, like a movement of a Prokofiev ballet that I really like. And with songs, I'll quite often listen to like the playlist function on Spotify is the best thing ever for me because I just want a mixture and every now and then I'll listen to like an album of Ella songs or Elton John or whatever but more often than not I just want like a, a bit of this and a bit of that <laughs> yeah. maybe I've just got a terrible attention span I don't know I, I think there's no there's no place for guilt if you're if you're enjoying it like it just doesn't matter so that's why I've got Taylor in my top seven because at the moment I'm loving it and um I like as well because I watched her the show and she talks a bit about there was a time where she kind of just buried her head for a year or so. Um, and there's songs that she's written about it where she just had enough of um, lots of things that have been said about her that weren't true. And she just kind of like went to ground basically and mm. just, um, got sick of having this reputation. That's the, and she's written this, uh, this album, Reputation, which this track is from. And it's about her, it's basically a two fingers up to like um, anyone that she feels is you know misunderstood her or lied about her or whatever and this song yeah. delicate is about where she meets this guy that she's now with and it's like okay my my reputation's never been worse it's all like quite fragile at the moment that's why it's called delicate and uh it's just a really nice song i just oh yeah i don't know what it is about it but i love it it feels quite honest as a song it is yeah she writes about what she's going through at the time and you can usually relate to something in it Is it chill that you're in my head? Cause I know that it's delicate. Is it cool that I said all that? Is it too soon to do this yet? Cause I know that it's delicate. Isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it? It reminds me of 
slight segue tangent coming up love a tangent um, i'd gone through a period a couple of weeks ago of listening to a lot of dolly parton oh yes <laughs> there is a really good podcast out there i think it's nine episodes just going through dolly parton's life and interviews with people in her life and her and I, I just found it really fascinating and she's incredibly prolific in her songwriting and when you hear her talking about particular songs that she wrote and there's the famous story of her writing I Will Always Love You and Jolene in one day like on the same oh, day. Oh wow um, that was a good which day. Is, <laughs> yeah she was talking about writing I Will Always Love You for the guy who this guy had basically invited her onto her onto his show um, to introduce her to country music and the country music fans. And then she became bigger than the show and decided to go off on her own. And yeah. he didn't like that. And she wrote the song in response to that. Um, basically, went, apparently went into his office and sang it to him. Oh, wow. um, yeah. And then you hear her talking about other random songs that it's all from a completely real experience that she has. And I mean, they always say like, write about what you know. And I think she's one of those people who really does do that. I know there are some people who, for them, it's more about the music. And for me, the music's got to be great, but it it really is about the lyrics as well. No, completely. Because I like to feel like I'm, I get it. And like, I get what they're on about. Um, yeah. yeah. Dolly Parton, like you say, she's one of those real from the heart people. Sinead O'Connor's another one as well. That like, Oh yeah. Uh, just I, I saw her live, and um, I haven't seen many pop concerts actually. It's terrible admission, but I've never been to a pop concert. Um, the only pop concert I've been to was Sinead O'Connor live at Womad Music Festival. Um, oh, okay. So I'm desperate to go. <laughs> I've also not been to a pop concert. Have you not? I thought it was just me. That's amazing. No. Oh. I go to concerts in the opera. Uh, <laughs> The only thing I have seen is I went to see Rachel Bloom in concert last oh, year. Oh, I know you did because which... I was seethingly jealous because I was too late to the crazy ex-girlfriend party. And I'm oh, so, so, so sad that I was so late to enjoying that show. Anyway, so that's some Taylor Swift. Tay-Tay. Um, Tay-Tay. I just don't think we're there that in that relationship. I'm there, though. My relationship with her. Tell us about your next track. I think you've got some Handel. Yes, Handel Dixit Dominus. Tune. Tune. Banger. Well, I, I, so I thought for this we had to specify the movement, but obviously the piece in general is just amazing. But I was, yeah, the, the specific movement that I was going to talk about is the last one, the Gloria. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. Uh, I just, <laughs> I have no words for how I feel about this piece, but it is a podcast. So um, <laughs> I didn't really know this piece until really recently. I, I had sung it before, mm. but years ago, and I hadn't really, and I think I'd just been booked to do the solo when I was sort of quite early 20s, maybe. And, you know, for a choral society gig or whatever, hadn't really taken it all in. And then we did it at the cathedral last year with, with Speminalium. And it was just such an amazing concert, such a joy to be part of that. And to, to sing in the choir, and obviously I did the take as well, number three, the soprano. Yeah. Um, which, was, which was wonderful to sing. I really, really loved it. But the, to sing in the choir for this is, is something else. And I just wonder whether this is one of those pieces where you do love it more once you've sung it. Yeah, um, I think I agree with you though. Actually. And I feel that way about a lot of Bach. Like the Bach B minor mass was such an exciting thing to sing. 
Uh, I'm not saying I wouldn't like it if I hadn't sung it, but I think you get so much more out of it once you've worked on it. And but the, yeah, this I just think this is some of the most exciting choral writing, and it it gets me so excited. It gets me so fired. Up. I mean, I, I I listen to it quite a lot. I was listening to it the other day on my daily walk, and it was a really hot day. It's about three days ago, and it was boiling. Mm. And there's a bit in it that just makes my hair stand on end. I watched it happen. <laughs> it was just amazing. I was just like, I'm so hot and my, my hair's on and I had goose pimples. There's a particular, I mean, all of it's exciting and I could like pull it apart and describe to you in great detail what I love about it. But there's a particular bit in the, in the middle. Of the final movement. Yeah, where the tenors come in and they go, see, and then the altos. I know exactly the bit that you mean. And that tenor note, and then it's when the, so they hold this note and it's incredible. And then the bass is suddenly going to semi-quavers where before the bassists have been doing the, um, oh, what's it called? Cantus firmus. Um, Oh, there we go. Highbrow music talk on your podcast. Uh, So the bassists suddenly have all these semi-quavers which they hadn't had. And so they do that. And then the sopranos take over and they have all these the soaring, like um, the soprano one and the soprano two have all these suspensions yeah. between them. Um, and then there's an alto moment just at the end of that little passage where they go, it's noon before everyone else. I mean, I'm really picking it apart because I, that's how exciting it is to me. And I don't usually do that with, I don't know, I think there's kind of nothing more boring than picking apart those. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, you, I mean, I know you have to do it if you're teaching A-level or whatever, but this is one of those pieces where I could pick it to pieces and be like, this is amazing because of this and this and this. And what I love about it is that every voice part, it, it just bounces back. And then you've got the whole, um, uh, the last section with the Amen. Yeah. It just goes on forever and ever. And it's like, it's like the choral equivalent of like a, a race where you keep passing the baton. It's just, um, no voice part is important, more important than another. Everyone has a moment. And when I'm listening to it, I can, I know it so well that I can more or less sing along to every part. Um, yeah. I know what you mean. It's, it just, it, yeah, it really, really gets me going. I absolutely love it. I think it's um I mean I'm a huge Handel fan anyway but I think I love his because he wrote this when he was 22 I remember getting the full score and was like 
just potting around and then real, was reading about how, when he wrote it. It's like, oh, okay, well, he would have been 22, 22. Okay, great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's everything into spec, but it's just so, you can just hear there's so much like youthful exuberance. Yeah. It's it just, there's so much joy in it and it's all just flowing out of this young man. I think he was in yeah. Italy when he wrote it as well. But there's so much tension as well. There's like this tension and release and tension and release, which I, you know, I guess that's what it's all about, isn't it? Um, but yeah, all the suspensions and oh, oh. Marvellous. Let's move on to your fifth track. This is You Make Loving Fun by Fleetwood Mac. I love Fleetwood Mac. I'm not like a mega fan where I know like who wrote every track and what was going on at the time and because uh, there was a lot going on. Um, but they basically like were all together and then like there were many affairs and lots of their songs are about, I just find it fascinating because they're like writing about each other. Mm. but they're all performing these songs together yeah. <laughs> and it's just can you imagine like the awkwardness backstage yeah the, the voices the the harmonies uh, I don't know just they're really great I had to have a Fleetwood Mac song in here and I've been listening to Rumours quite a lot lately um I nearly put the track everywhere it was really close and I kept switching but there's something about this song um well I can tell you what it is about this song it's the ending <laughs> this is a really specific thing that I like okay <laughs> so geeky um right at the end it goes so I wanna do and it does it four times but the fourth time the rhythm changes slightly and it slightly anticipates um so it does the same thing three times on the fourth time it's just slightly earlier and I just love it <laughs> I just okay. every single time um it sounds as if that might have been a mistake and then in post-production they were like let's just leave nope that. definitely not a mistake <laughs> okay it's far okay. too tight for it to be a mistake um, no, it's really great. <laughs> um, <laughs> focus, focus, Alex. Yeah, focus. focus. Come on, come on. Yeah, so this was actually written about an affair, but I don't think of that when I listen to it because I just think it's such a lovely, happy song and the lyrics are great. It's just, yeah, all about someone being great and, you know, you're great, you make love in fun. Come to your penultimate track. It's another curveball. This is a track called Next to You by a band called Dirty Loops, um, which I only got into a few months back via my friend Paula, who loves them. And they are a okay. Swedish band. And their lead singer is Jona Nilsson, who is also happens to be completely gorgeous, but that's a side point. But has just the most amazing voice. It's it, it's so he's so talented. What he could do with that voice, he sounds like a cross between Michael Jackson, Stevie Wonder, um, but also something very unique. But the whole band's amazing. And they started off okay. by doing. I only know this. I only learned this recently. I wasn't into them at the time, like I say. But they started off doing covers and putting them on YouTube, like covers of Britney songs. I think they did a Lady Gaga song initially, maybe Just Dance. But it was, um, you know really putting their own spin on things and um 
the, the harmonies just really sophisticated. They they all train together. Um, they're all friends. They train together in the Royal College of Music in Stockholm, maybe. So they've got all that sort of that background, and then they were just mates that were enjoyed playing together. And then they got sort of picked up, and they released this album. And they then more recently were signed by Quincy Jones. They've just released a new single like a couple of weeks ago, but this was the one before that. This, this song next to you was released back in I don't know maybe October November. Um, it's a really cool video. Yeah. You have to listen to the full version because it's so much better than the radio. Edit. Well, the radio edit's great, but it's it's worth listening. To, and I know it's long; it's eight minutes, but it's so worth it. And it takes you on. I wouldn't normally want a tra- track to be that long, but it's so funky. It's such a feel good song. The, the the playing's amazing. It's so well produced, and you can really hear the Quincy Jones mark on it as well. And there's a bit right at the end, just when you think it's finished, where it goes somewhere completely different, and it's just all these like voices together. It reminds me of Michael Jackson, Human Nature, songs like that. It's so well produced. It's so together. The his vocal improvisation is incredible. The the playing on it's incredible. And the other day, I was listening to it for the sort of two hundred and fiftieth time. And I tuned into the bass line only for the first time. And there's so much about the bass line I hadn't even noticed um, that was just so cool. It's just lovely. And the, the lyrics are great. And it's a really, really feel-good song about the beginning of a relationship where you don't quite know what it is and what's going on, but it's just exciting and you're not quite sure. And they're just so fun. And it's really worth watching. If you listen to this track, it's worth watching their video of it as well just like to see how they interact and to see they just look like they're having such a good time i think that's that's really important as well like they're really just loving it (laughs) and then it makes you it's so infectious when you see that what did you think of it i what i did think today when i was listening to it um was that i might put it on my running playlist because it's uh Mm. longer than a normal song so it, and it like keeps you driving forward. And I find when I'm running now, I'm picking up <laughs> any distraction yeah. from the fact that I'm actually <laughs> doing physical exercise. I'm listening to the music way more intently than I would if I'm at home listening to music, I think. Because I tend to listen to longer like orchestral tracks or film music tracks a lot when I'm running. And it's very rare that I listen to just songs because they run out after three and a half minutes. And you're just like, has it just been three and a half minutes? Come on. Um, so having like a long song like this actually would be really great. Yeah. My final track is Ubi Caritas by Darufle. Oh, I don't know that one. Yeah, do you not know it? Should I sing it to you? No, please don't. It's what I think love would sound like if it were music. To me, it's just this ultimate 
expression of love. And it, obviously the words are all about love, but it's so like achingly beautiful. Um, and there are bits of it where I'm like, I could just live in this chord. <laughs> and then the amen at the end, I just never want it to end. It's honestly like just to me, like that, that unconditional love that, that everybody kind of wants. It's that in musical form yeah. for me. And I, whenever I put it on, it's like someone like hugging me, <laughs> except they're not. And, you know, I haven't had a hug in a while, but um, <laughs> next best thing. It's, it's so comforting and it's warm and it's like generous and it's very, very simple. And it doesn't have like all of that tension and release build up and stuff that I was talking about. It's just like this, uh, it's completely calm. It's remarkable, I think, in its simplicity. It always feels like the chords that are underpinning the plain song don't get in the way. They don't at all, no. They're, they're, it's like they're supporting. Yeah, and sort of showing off a different light to yeah. bits of the plain song without sort of... I like that the sopranos come in later. I like that it's basically like an alto number, really. Yeah. But I also like the fact that there is a bit in it it's quite unusual where the sopranos go down to a B flat and they take over from the altos just for that little bit. And that's obviously mm. deliberate because it's a certain sound is wanted and then it's back to the altos being on top. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I actually find it's the alto line that I sing along with most when I listen to it. Quite often when I sing it, I'll end up singing along to, I'll keep changing part. <laughs> I'll sing like the, yeah. bit, the bit I like most in the chord. Um, yeah. It's, I, I just think it's stunning. It it moves me so much. And um, yeah, if I'm ever lucky enough to get married, um, they won't be the right one for me unless they understand my need to have that at the wedding. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, I can't think of anything more wonderful than all of my friends singing this piece. Mind you, I'd be a like weepy mess. So perhaps not the best thing. I know what you mean about that last that last section as well, that final amen. It's one of those things where I know when I'm conducting it, I've, pushed everyone to the extremes yes. on the penultimate chord about how long I want to hold it. Yeah. I don't yeah. quite want, don't want it to, to let resolve it go. just yet. Yeah.
Thank you for coming on to the podcast and for sharing your musical interests with us. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Sincere congratulations for making it to the end of the patter pod. Please do rate and review as positively as you possibly can. And remember to hit subscribe so that the next episode just slips into whatever device you're listening on. Once again, a big shout out to Amy Summers for her smashing arrangements of my cheesy tunes. Until next time, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>